0: The fullness of Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. In the previous article, we reflected on the wondrous concept of being in Christ. Members of his body, branches in the true vine, sheep led by the true shepherd, stones in a holy temple. These are lofty thoughts for finite minds, but the notion of Christ in us is even loftier. We return to the sayings of Jesus in John's Gospel, and particularly the Lord's discourses in the upper room. First of all, we look again at the passages that speak of the Lord abiding with the believer. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood abideth in me, and I in him. John 6 I will not leave you comfortless, NKJV orphans. I will come to you. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. John 14 I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. John 15 John echoes the same language in his inspired epistles. He that keepeth his commandments abideth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he gave us. Verse John chapter 3. Paul, like the Apostle John, describes our relationship to the Lord in terms of being in Christ and of him being in us. Romans 8 verse 10 says, If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Or Galatians 2 verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The Apostle declares his loving concern for the Galatians by addressing them as, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, until Christ be formed in you, Galatians 4. And he prays for those at Thessalonica, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and ye in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ but the Christian's relationship with his Lord is also described in other ways. Paul speaks of being spiritually minded, or having the mind of the Spirit, in Romans 6, or walking in the Spirit, Galatians 5, or God having quickened us together with Christ, as in Ephesians 2, or being renewed in the spirit of your mind, as in Ephesians 4, or worshipping in the Spirit, as in Philippians chapter 3. An expression used in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians is especially striking, We have the mind of Christ, in chapter 2, verse 16. Disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ aspire to follow his example, to imitate his characteristics, and cultivate his mind, his spirit. Writing to the Romans, Paul points out that his readers, having been released from the law of Moses, the oldness of the letter, are now free to serve in newness of spirit, Continuing in Romans 8 verse 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Then in verses 9 and 10, Paul contrasts being in the flesh with being in the Spirit. Ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Supremely, Romans 8 encourages us to believe that God, through his word and through his Son, can live and work in us. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What shall we say to, then, to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? In the upper room, hours before his arrest and trial, Jesus had sought to reassure his perplexed disciples that he would not abandon them. Let not your heart be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. Whatever ye ask in my name, that will I do. And I will pray, the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Paracletos, advocate, helper. That he may abide with you forever. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The disciples needed to see Jesus in a new perspective. They had experienced him as a wonderful teacher, companion, and friend. But now they must learn to see him as their immortal, glorious Lord. The successive promises of the Comforter in John 14-16 to told them of the ways in which they would be helped, initially by the temporary gifts of the Holy Spirit, and later by the sustaining help and mediatorship of the Lord himself. Whatsoever you shall ask, the Father in my name, he will give it you. John 16 Jesus was with them, and he promises to be with us. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 28 and Matthew 11. Assisted by angel messengers under his command, our Lord will help us. Confident in the Master's assurances, Paul writes, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And he in turn can assure his readers in Philippians 4, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The Thessalonians are exhorted similarly to trust in the comfort and support of the Lord Jesus and his Father. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God our Father, which loved us and gave us eternal comfort, parakalesis, and good hope through grace, comfort, paracleo, your hearts, and establish them in every good work and word. How can we ever doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour, our head, is on our side, our mediator and intercessor in prayer? Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. But that saving work of God continues. The God of peace, that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ. It is indeed through Jesus Christ, the one who has been given authority, and who can and will come to our aid, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succour them that are tempted. Two further passages from Paul's letters drive home the awe-inspiring truth that if we are malleable clay in his hands, God can work in us. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Philippians 2. Or Ephesians 3. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the ecclesia by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. If Christ is in us, if God and his Son abide in us, if we are leading that spiritual life and have the mind of Christ then, and this is the astounding promise, We have the hope of glory. Christ would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. From the beginning, the divine purpose was that all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. From creation, the universe has exhibited the glory of its creator. But God's purpose was to manifest his glory most especially in man, the one created in his image. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honour. As we have already noted, None lived up to this destiny until the coming of the Son of Man. Now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honour, for it became him, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Not only has the Lord Jesus, as the result of obedience, himself being crowned with glory, His ultimate triumph will be to bring many sons unto glory. We are humbled by the thought. It is not by any righteousness of our own, but by grace that we have that hope of glory. We all, with unveiled face reflecting as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. The prospect is almost beyond comprehension that those in Christ are transformed by their association with him and have the prospect of reigning with him in glory. The next chapter of 2 Corinthians continues the same theme of glory in chapter 4. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. At God's command, physical light came into the world at creation. Later, heralding a new creation, the brightness of God's glory shone in the face of his Son. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life, as it says in John chapter 8. In the remaining days of our pilgrimage, let us seek to grow in our understanding and appreciation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Writing to the Ephesians, Paul speaks of our feeble service, being to the praise of his glory. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. As Paul continues in Ephesians chapter 3, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. The Apostle Peter, though in many ways so different from Paul, writes of our glorious calling in very similar language. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the trial, NKJV, genuineness of your faith might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory." Faith will be rewarded with praise, honour and glory in the day of Christ. Yet, even now, one can rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. While we wait, let us try to be more conscious of our Lord, who walks in the midst of the lampstands, who not only observes what we do, but is involved. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him. He is a friend, a counsellor, a companion in our discipleship. Let us be careful when we talk about our absent Lord. He is indeed in heaven at the Father's right hand, yet at the same time he is, or should be, a living presence in our personal and ecclesial experience. In the final article, God willing, we shall contemplate the glory that belongs to our risen Lord, a glory that will be seen in its fullness And the Son of Man cometh in his own glory, and the glory of the Father, and of the holy angels.